Good morning, good morning. How you doing, Connect? Everybody good? Well, if you're new to the church here, I uh, just want to say welcome, and on behalf of all of us, we're so glad you're with us. Hope you feel hosted well. My name is Pastor D, or Pastor Derek. Some people call me PD. Everybody say, what's up, PD? So that's all good. I like that, that language. Um, I'm so glad that um, you're, you're joining us for this series. It's going to be you know, a continuation and, and continue to grow and, and be powerful. We're, just so you know, uh, just for the context of our church, where we're kind of at seasonally, we're in a season of prayer and fasting right now. And how many uh, are getting a lot out of that prayer and fasting time right now as a church? Okay, good. So there's about 12 of us really getting to God. It's awesome. <laughs> You're like, I'm up for prayer and feasting. <laughs> uh, no. That's <laughs> prayer and fasting. But no, we, uh, we sense a, a climate change in the church every year at this time. Like, it's tangible. Uh, we, we can feel it. And so I hope you can too. A lot of that is not because the music got better, or Pastor Derek's preaching got better, or Pastor Chris got better, or anybody got better. It's just because we got better individually connecting with God and disconnecting from the world. Can I have an amen? And so this is a great season. We're in, we're in uh, one more week to go on this and uh, it's just awesome. I just, um, once you get through the, you know, the crazy, you know, changeover, I don't know if anybody's faced that, but uh, that's a tough phase. And, and, uh, and I, was, I was going through that last Sunday during the service, so <laughs> just so you guys know, so I was highly caffeinated. Anyway, um, this, uh, before we get going, I want to just make a quick announcement. Um, coming up in the 1st of February, February 4th, we have a special service uh, it's in, it's uh, called No Excuse Sunday. Everybody say No Excuse. So it's kind of self-explanatory. It's basically saying that if this is your church, um, you call this your home, somebody asks you a question, where do you go to church, you say connect, or if you are a, a kind of made a formal commitment, we have a process for just kind of what we call family, I call it frequent flyers, and then the fringe. The fringe is checking us out, and you can sneak in and sneak out as many times as you want, but there, there's a crew that that uh, call this home. And so this is your service. I need you there. And it's very important that you be there. And so mark your calendars. There's no excuse. Um, you'll, you, we'll still be able to watch the Patriots win the Super Bowl that day. Praise the Lord. I prophesy. Anyway. Um, but that's an important day where we're going to just uh, cast some vision for the future. We have a, a place in the service for some interaction where we need something from you to be able to be so I can pastor you better, so our church can help you grow spiritually. We have a responsibility to do that, but we can't do that if you're not here. So, And it's going to be an awesome service, too. We're going to bling it out, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So no excuse Sunday. Say, I'll be there. All right. And uh, you get your worship guides out. We're going to get into the series today. Um, uh, we're, we're calling the series The Kingdom, The Kingdom, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. And so uh, I'll try to... For some of you that may be coming for the first time, get you plugged in a little bit. But, but here's, here's, where, here's where it started. We're in the first of the year, and a lot of times we make resolutions, and I think we need a revolution. I don't think we need something that we start today and stop tomorrow. I think we need something that is a change from within, not just from without. And I'm getting ready to preach, so you can say amen once in a while. You missed it. You missed it, okay? And so, so this is something that God wants to see. He wants to see real, real change. But we have a default as Christ followers towards comfort, right? I mean, it's just a gravitational pull towards, you know, uh, like, like me. I go home. I mean, I can't wait when I get home because I have my power chair there. You know what I mean? Like it's this, you know, you know what I mean? The legs come up, and I've got, I've got a blanket 
that the end of it wraps around your foot, so you just go like this, and it hooks right onto your feet. And then I just tuck, tuck, remote, you know, seltzer, thing, go, you know, and it's just like, whoo, it's just, it's just Jesus with skin on, you know, and uh, I love it. And so we have that, and we're in a room right now, it's climate controlled and lighting and, and comfortable chairs, and many of us wouldn't go to church if it wasn't like that. You know, if we couldn't have our heavenly nectar, our Starbucks before we got in here, you know, and so there's a gravitational pull towards comfort. The kingdom series, Big Ideas, God doesn't want us to take it easy. He wants us to take dominion. Everybody say, dominion. Turn your neighbor. Come on. Give him the, you know how we do it here. Dominion. Ah, yeah. Ah, okay. But we want to take it easy. And it makes me think about, I was, I, was, I was looking at some things online. It makes me think about Snoopy. You know, he says, I, I'm not lazy. I just really, really enjoy doing nothing. And, 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 and that, that, that's us, you know. And we, we just, if we're left to this, this lane of life, we're going to look like this guy, you know. I mean, just trying to find <laughs> what's the bare minimum I can do and still consume exactly what I want, where I want, how I want. And, oh, you know what? It's time for a snack now. Let's do the Cheetos. <laughs> and, and so people, people are like that. And it influences the next generation to the point where our kids won't even hold their phone. They'll put it on a table and just look at it. Like, this is the epitome of comfort, everybody. This is what happens to us. And it influences our, our animals, and, and, and they get like this. And, and, and I told you I was going to be nice to cats this Sunday. Didn't you remember I said that? All right, yeah. So I'm going to tell you a story about cats, okay, because that, that's finally good, okay? And so it starts off bad, so don't misinterpret this, okay? But a cat dies and goes to heaven. And so he gets to heaven. The cat gets to the pearly gates. God meets him at the pearly gates, and, and, and he says, oh, you know, welcome, welcome into rest, and, you know, you've had a rough life, and, and you know, because of all the stuff that you've gone through, I, I want to give you your heart's desire, and the cat's like, really? And, 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 and the cat says, you know, I, I lived on a farm my whole life, and, 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 and I had to sleep on this hardwood floor my whole life, and God says, I got it, I got it. I'm going to give you a fluffy, soft, big pillow that you can sleep on for all eternity. The cat's like, really? Ding, boom. Pillow appears, cat jumps on that thing, goes to sleep purring like a kitten. God walks away. Next day, goes to the pearly gates. He's sitting there waiting to see who's going to come in today. Push. Six mice show up. They've just been killed in a car accident. All of them run over by a car. They're all coming, coming in frazzled like, ah, ah. And God says, oh, man, you guys have had it rough. I mean, you know, you've been, you've been chased by cats your whole life. You've been chased by dogs. You've been chased by, by, you know, old ladies with brooms. And then you get run over. I mean, what can I do for it? What can I give you for all eternity? And they said, we're so tired. We're so tired of running. It's just so hard. But we have to run. It's in our nature. What about individual roller skates for all of us, all six of us, God? God's like, no problem. Snap. Roller skates. Ding, 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 ding. They all have roller skates. Cool. God walks away. A couple eons later, he goes to check on his creation, and he comes up to this, this cat, and he sees the cat that he, you know, given the pillow, and it's just sleeping, purring like a kitten. You know, the sun's shining, the son of God. The sun's shining on the kitten, and he goes over, hey, 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 and the kitten wouldn't even wake up. He nudges him, and he's like, hey, God. God's like, how's it going? Are you happy here? He's like, yeah, so awesome, and those, uh, 
Those Meals on Wheels you keep sending are great. <laughs> I told you I was going to be nice to cats. I told you it was going to happen, okay? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We got to move on, okay? So get your worship guides out. Let me quickly uh, recap. There, this whole thing up here is basically to suggest that there, there are doors in our life where we want to see, it represents opportunity, it could represent also a problem. It represents a miracle, or it could be a test. Uh, it could represent a breakthrough relationally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. Hopefully in this new year, you are praying for an open door, a breakthrough in your life. And that's good, and that's great. But what the Bible tells us over and over again, in the book of Revelation chapter 3, we studied last week, that... God said, I hold the key. I hold the key to the kingdom. So whatever door that you are facing, whatever, whatever door is shut or whatever that needs to be opened, whatever, whatever um, door is open that needs to be shut and closed on a part of your life, basically God's saying, I hold the key. That means it's a master key that he holds for all doors in your life. And then he goes on to say, later on, he says in Matthew, he says, um, but I have given you the keys. He's talking to the church, and he says, I will build my church. That's us. Everybody say the church is us. And he says, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not be able to defeat it, and I have given you the keys to the kingdom. So there are some keys that, that God can give us, like combinations to a lock that can open doors in our life. But what happens a lot of times as Christ followers is we don't use the keys of the kingdom. We use the keys of the world trying to unlock heaven's doors. Heaven is what God wants to bring to earth. He is trying to uh, exercise dominion over the earth. That's why Jesus came is to establish his kingdom. Ultimately, he's going to do that in a very physical sense. But right now, there is an invisible kingdom and, an, and a king and a God that we cannot see that we serve. Ultimately, that invisible become physical. We'll talk more about this next week. But between now and then, he wants, to use, he wants us to use these invisible kingdom keys to change that which is happening in our visible, temporal, temporary, tangible, whatever T word I can come up with, world. Is everybody tracking with me? Okay? But what happens is we use worldly keys, we mix those, like I did at the hotel. I had a Marriott key, and I had a, you know, a, a courtyard, a, a, another key, a Hilton key, and I went trying to open the door to my room with the Hilton, but I was at the Marriott. And people mix their keys and wonder why doors won't open. And then they get frustrated to God. It diminishes their faith, and they get frustrated with God, and they begin to, dis they begin to pull away from God. God wants us to draw near to him, but we have to use his keys. And so in the first week, we talked about how to regain the dominion we lost. In other words, before you can influence the world, you have to get the world out of you. So we disconnect from the world. We connect more to, we connect more to God. Last week, we talked about two kingdom keys that unlock the doors in our life, and that is to obey his word. Not just to be a hearer, because when we hear and don't obey, we deceive ourselves. The Bible says in James 1, do what it says. Just do it. Should have called it Nike. And then he goes, he goes on to give us another key, which is don't deny his name. And if people do not know that you are associated with Jesus Christ, if people don't know you have a relationship with him, then you cannot expect him to open any doors for you. 
Can I get an amen out there? Okay. And so today we're going to talk about kind of another, another, a couple of other keys to the kingdom. But there's one particular key that I think is very, very important to us. But I'm going to start with a question because I think sometimes we don't realize, let's get him out of there. We don't realize who's the, this is a question that happened. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? God's, Jesus' disciples have a discussion, by the way, at the, at the supper table. And, 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 and Jesus is serving them, and they start to argue amongst themselves, saying, who's the greatest? Who's the man? Who's the greatest amongst all of us? They had a Muhammad Ali spirit, everybody. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. You know, you, you've heard Muhammad Ali when he was on a plane one time. He was telling everybody he's the greatest fighter in the world. The stewardess comes over to him and says, uh, Mr. Ali, you're going to have to buckle up your seatbelt. Mr. Ali says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Stewardess said, Superman don't need no plane either. Buckle up. Sometimes we think we're all that in a bag of chips, but we're not. So Jesus is talking to his disciples in Luke chapter 22. He's getting ready eventually to die. He's trying to show them something. Before he gives his life, he shows them how to live their life. Everybody? Okay. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world... Different system, different kingdom. Hang on. In this world, kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Everybody say it will be different. In the kingdom of God, as kingdom heirs of the kingdom, followers of the king, we should live under a different order or system of rules. We should be different, he's saying. Different. Those who are the greatest among you should be of the lowest rank. So he's basically saying, I know you come out of the corporate world, some of you. Top dog, everybody listens. The goal is to get to the top, tell everybody what to do. Jesus is saying, no, the greatest among you is the servant of everybody. Flip it around. Who's the top of the food chain? The servant of all. And he models that in just a couple of minutes. And so he says, who is more important than the one who sits at the table, the one who serves in the world system? The one who sits at the table, of course. But not here, not in the kingdom of God, for I am among you as one who serves. And then uh, before he gets ready to, to give his life physically, again, before he gets ready to serve by dying for everybody, he serves everybody at the table. And in John chapter 13, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things, this is verse 1, John 13, Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Hands represent authority, by the way, in the, in the economy of God. So basically what this is saying is Jesus has all authority. All authority. So, this is, so what he's getting ready to say, he's putting in context and saying, what I'm getting ready to tell you is coming from somebody who's large and in charge. All authority in his hands. He'd come from God, so he knew who he was. He had a very secure identity. He knew where he was going, Okay. He rose from the supper table, laid aside his garments, which is a, a symbolic, a physical representation of a lot more, took a towel, very vulnerable, and girded himself. And after that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with uh, the towels with which he was girded. So, so Jesus models for us uh, servant leadership as the highest level of kingdom uh, behavior and lifestyle. This is the one who could have just said, you do this, go do this, too bad, too sad, I said so, I'm large and in charge, but he didn't. No, he said, that's not how the kingdom works. 
That's not how the kingdom works here. And so I want to talk kind of to mostly to family here because I want to be strong with you a little bit. So when you feel maybe if you're new to connect, I'm not really talking to you. I don't, I don't have that same uh, influence or expectation upon you, but you get to listen in and maybe it will challenge you, provoke you. Hopefully, more importantly, it will invite you to participate in what I think Jesus is saying not only to his disciples, but he's saying to us. Can I have an amen? And so the greatest key in the kingdom is fundamentally this. Um, is the greatest key to the kingdom is serving. It's serving. It's serving. Some of you guys, uh, you know how to work hard. Some of you, some of you, male, female, you have a hard work ethic, a hard, uh, uh, um, you know, just drive about you. Some of you do that out in the world, but you're not doing it for God. I just want to tell you something, and I hope this comes across right as a pastor. I don't even know how to say it, articulate it, but, but you know, I, I say this sometimes, and, and and I don't know that it translates, but if you're too busy for ministry, you're too busy. Your life is out of order. You have priority problems. This whole, you're not, you're not going to take anything from all your work to eternity with you. But the things you do with your gifts for God last forever. And so you need to take a hard look at your lifestyle, your schedule, your priorities, and say, where is God serving God if it's a kingdom key that opens doors a part of that? And some of us, we're like, I'm good, I'm good. And you're giving God, you're giving the Holy Spirit the Heisman even now when I begin to talk. You've already put up a buffer or resistance to that. And I challenge you to hear the voice of God on this. Because God wants to work through you. And one of the reasons sometimes that we have the Heisman and we put a buffer up to God is because we've lost the inspiration in the perspiration. We've lost, we've lost the joy and the, and the fun and the thrill and the excitement of what God's trying to do in and through us. We've lost what I like to call a kingdom sweat. A kingdom sweat. How many, um, and don't feel condemned by this, how many exercise on a regular basis? Raise your hand. Okay. There's therefore now no condemnation to anybody who's not raising their hand in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. No guilt, no guilt, no guilt. So just go with me on an illustration. In fact, how many have ever exercised at one time in your life so we all can participate? <laughs> Praise the Lord. We want total participation in this, okay? So work with me. So when, when, whenever you've worked out at one time in your life from, from now to you came out of the womb, whenever that happened, you probably have heard this phrase uh, if you haven't experienced it yourself, I broke a good sweat. Has anybody ever said that before? You know, I, I broke a good sweat. I broke a good sweat. You know, it's kind of a, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a sweet sweat. You know, it, you, you got to this place in, 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 in the, the, the essence of the exercise, in, in the process of the exercise, where you came to this place where, you know, if you're a runner, you, you found this cadence and this rhythm. Uh, you got this, what they, what they call the runner's high that becomes addictive, like Telio's a runner over here. You, you, you beca it becomes addictive. You're just like, oh, I can't wait for that. And then all of a sudden you're in it. You're like, oh, this is good. You know, $6 million man time, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, da -da -da. I'm dating myself. Nobody knows who that is. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> bring it to the future. <coughs> bring it to the future. Or you get to this, like, like this adrenal where, where all of a sudden, you know, endorphins explode in your brain. For me, I like to lift things up, put things down, you know, and, 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 I, and I'm like a diesel. It, it is slow to get this engine going. You know, I get in the gym, it's like, 
You know, I'm like, lubricate, squish, 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 you know, squish. I roll my back out for like 30 minutes, you know. But at a certain point in time, you know, I can, I mean, I just feel good. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, give me another truck. I got it. Um, I feel good. I've got that good sweat. I've got that sweet sweat. I've got that stride and that, it's awesome. And it feels incredible. But there's other times where there's, there's not a good sweat. And, and again, the illustration's a little, a little crude, but you know, you know what it's like. Maybe you're at work, and, and some of you have to wear the suit and tie. How many suit and tie people got to really dress up, business attire, and and then the AC at work doesn't work, right? Ring around the collar, you know, uh, the Niagara's going down the middle of your back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty sure the Nile River just went all the way down my back. You know, and. And, and it's just, oh, terrible. Or, you know, you get rings in other areas. You know, I'm afraid to raise my arms right now. Nobody wants to praise the Lord. You know what I mean? If they do, it's not a sweet sweat. And people are getting slain in the spirit. And, and anyway, uh, you know, so, so sometimes, you know, it's not good. Sometimes we get in our car and, and we have no AC. And so AC is hit fourth gear as fast as possible with the windows down 65 miles an hour. Right, everybody? In a 30-mile-an-hour zone because I need AC because there's a bad sweat. There's a stanky sweat going on. And that's how it can be in ministry sometimes. People can have a good sweat. There's inspiration in their perspiration or they have a bad sweat. They have a stanky sweat. They don't have a sweet sweat. And so on the outside, it can look like everything's good. You're putting on the attire, as it were. You, you, you've got the suit on. You've got maybe a tuxedo, but you are Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> you, don't, you, you look the part, but, but you emanate. You emanate something else because there's an attitude problem. And one of the kingdom keys to opening doors is having the right attitude about serving. Whether you're doing it right now, whether you did it at one time, or whether God is trying to elevate your level of serving, a lot of it has to do with having a kingdom sweat, having the right attitude or the right perspective. And it affects the atmosphere for everybody else in the room. It was, let, let it be said, it was quiet when I made that point. But the, the point is God wants you to get to a place where it's more fun to watch, you know, more fun to play than to watch. A lot of times the church, Christianity was never meant to be a spectator sport. That's not what you're called to do. There is a time to come together and receive the word. There's a time to come together and, and learn. But there's a time together to come together and grow together and serve together and reach our community and connect with people and serve the socks off people so we can see their hearts open to be able to receive the incorruptible truths that we ourselves have received that supposedly transformed us. Can I have an amen? amen. And it comes with the right perspective. And so ministry the right way can be one of the most rewarding things we do this side of heaven. It should be a thrill. There was an old commercial years ago. It was an Olympic commercial, and I'm dating myself. But it was back in the 70s when it originally came out, and it was a skier, and he was going down this ramp. And they played this forever. The skier went down, but he went off course a little bit, and, the, and there was this big drum roll, you know, and some people know the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And this, and this skier just tumbled and fell all over the snow. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, what? They played it all the way through the 90s, so don't look at me like I'm Methuselah, okay? That thing was going on a long time, all right? But that's sometimes the question of the day is, is ministry or serving a thrill or is it agony? If it's not a thrill and it's agony, it's because you don't have the right kingdom attitudes that God wants you to have. 
You don't have the right perspective because God wants serving to be literally the most rewarding effort this side of heaven. He's, Jesus said in his word in John chapter 13, 15, I didn't highlight it, but it basically says, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. You'll be happy. The happiest people on the planet don't get up and say, how can everybody else make me happy? They're not comfort me. No, they're comfort others. They're serve others. They're help others. You know, if you want to, men, if you want to have a happy life, you know, make your wife happy. Happy wife, happy life. Come on, somebody. Okay? All the women said, amen, 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 amen. But when you get that right perspective, then your perspiration gains and is restored to the inspiration that you need. I, 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 there's certain things. God wants you to love it like anything else you do. And some of the reason you don't love it is because you haven't found your thing. I love basketball. I always love basketball. And, and, and now I'm a little bit older now, you know, 35, 36 years old. And, 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 uh, and I'm... <laughs> And I've got my feet planted on a firm foundation, right? So I can't jump like I used to do. I don't have the handles I once had. But in my head, I'm still good. And, but I can remember when I played, nobody had to remind me, poke me, do it with excellence, make sure you practice, work on your left hand, practice your foul shots, work on your dunking skills. Anybody ever missed that? Anyway. What, he used to dunk? Yes, I did. No, just kidding. So our purpose as a church is to help people find your sweet spot so that when you sweat a lot, and you will when you work for God, you have a kingdom sweat. Your perspiration is not Pepe Le Pew. Your perspiration is a sweet sweat that people are attracted to. Can I have an amen? And, and just so you know, just so you don't misinterpret that, we want to help you find your fit. We want to help you find your lane, your role, your sweet spot. But that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't have to just do some things we don't like. It got quiet again, but related to family. My job is to raise up my kids to figure out their bent and their, their design and what they're called to do, and that should be the focus. But everybody, everybody has to make their beds. Everybody has to help clean up the dishes after, the, after dinner's taken place. Everybody has to contribute, and they may not like it, but they have to do it. Can I have an amen? So there's a balance between those things. Amen? So let's get to a parable. This is from Matthew chapter 20. Four kingdom keys from Matthew 20. And there's, the story is about a landowner who represents God, and he's trying to activate a church that is inactive, that is inactive, okay? So here's, here's basically what happens. From Matthew chapter 20, verse 16, uh, here's, here's kingdom trying to be brought to earth. Kingdom trying to come and penetrate our comfortable character and, get, and challenge us and provoke us to see some things differently so we can do some things differently. So the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers. So the landowner is God in the story, in the parable, and the workers are us, okay? We're the workers. means we're called to do a work, by the way, okay? And for his vineyard. And the vineyard is the mission or the, or the purposes of God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 19.21, many of the purposes in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevail. God's going to get what, he's, what he wants to get done on the earth regardless. The choice is up to us. Are we going to be a part of that work? Or are we going to sit back, watch, and spectate that work? Come on, you guys got to talk back to me a little bit more, church, okay? You may not like, everybody say, I love how it hurts. Okay, maybe that's what's happening right now. Okay, so for the kingdom of heaven, it's like a landowner God who went out early, found his workers, that's us, for the mission or the work of God on the planet. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and then he sends them out. So he finds them, activates them, 
gives them what they need, and then he sends them out into the vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing. There, no, no way. There's some more people standing around, standing in the marketplace, doing what? Nothing. Doing nothing. I like how she said it in the front row. She goes, nothing. <laughs> Let it be said. I didn't say that. She did. Okay, so... He told them, you also go work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever it's right. So a whole, another group comes. So they went. He sends them out. He went out again. He keeps on looking for people who are standing around doing nothing, people who are deactivated. He's trying to activate them. You've got a mission. You've got a purpose for your life. Your purpose is kingdom work. And he, he went out again about noon, and, he about, about, and then again about 3 in the afternoon. And he did the same thing. He just keeps on doing it. This is God. This is what he's doing. This is what he's doing. About 5 in the afternoon, he went out and found still others. Five times in this parable, he is looking for people who are sitting on the bench. He's looking for people who are standing around. He's looking for people who have all this incredible stuff inside them, but they are unplugged from the purpose of the mission of God. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that you are called to serve, is someone who's looking for you, not for him, for you to activate you. And he went out again and again and again and again, and he still found others standing around. Next, next verse, he says, he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Now, I don't think he did it with the attitude. I think he's like, why have you been standing here doing nothing? And then I think, I think this, is what, this is what I think they said. I think, because no one hired us. <laughs> that's, just, that's just my, I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm right. I mean, you got to, I think I'm right. No one hired us, they said. So he's like, okay, okay. So he says to them, you also go and work in my vineyard, whiny piney. Come on here. I think we can still, I think we still have a place for you. Come on over here. He still activates them. You also go and work in my vineyard. They said, okay. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call all the workers that I called all throughout the day and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Now, Look at me, not the screen. Here's what happens. He's going to start to deal with attitudes now. So remember, God's objective, activate people who are not activated. Get people doing kingdom work. That's God's mission to accomplish his mission. He wants to do it through his church. But he's going to have to deal with some attitudes. So, so the ones that came, so a bunch of people got hired early in the day, and then along the way, different times they got hired. He's, he tells the foreman, I want you to pay them. Giving them their reward. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each one received a denarius. So people that are only there like an hour, they come up and they get full pay. So here's what happens. So when those who came were hired first, what? They expected to receive more. So by the time the people that came early, they get up, they're like, oh, this is going to be good. Because, I mean, if that guy gets, what am I going to get? Lay it on me, baby. Oh, maybe I need two hands. Their expectations messed them up. Expectation is our problem. A lot of times the reason we get our attitudes wrong or we get off track in our relationship with kingdom work is unmet expectations. I'll come back to that. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received that, they began to grumble to the landowner. That's what we do sometimes. We see other people getting ahead, getting more, getting things that we don't think they deserve, and we complain to God. We complain to God. God, the landowner, is dealing with, he's testing people's hearts right now in this particular thing. And and these who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal. What? Equal to us? 
You know, we borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day, but, he, he, but, but the landowner answered them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. This isn't about equality. When is the kingdom anywhere, by the way, about equality? Look at the Bible and you'll see that. If we all got what we deserved, where would we be? Oh, you want me to give you what you deserved for what you did good? Do you want me to give you for what you deserved that you did wrong? We wouldn't want that. Thank God the kingdom is not about equality, everybody. And the landowner is trying to teach them a lesson. And, but he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for the denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Look at the difference. He's like, you're so missing it. You think, I'm, I, you think I owe you something? I was generous. You didn't even have a job. You were standing around doing nothing. And I gave you a job. So the last will be first and the first will be last. If the first thinks they're going to be first, they'll be last. And the last will become first. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. So let's give four kingdom attitudes about this that we need to learn so we can serve with the kingdom sweat. The first one is we are called to share, not compare. We are called to share, not to compare. The kingdom of heaven is like, the scripture says. And the, and it's, the Bible says that, that, that the landowner gave him a job. He was generous. He paid them. Yes, he's sovereign, but he's also generous. We had nothing before the landowner came into our lives, is what this parable is telling us, and that is true. In fact, we need to be content with what he gave us. I don't know about you, but I, I remember when I first bought a house. I moved from an apartment to a house. Man, it was as if I won the lottery. That's how I felt. I can remember pulling away from my house shortly after I signed the papers and everything was all moved in. And I, I just sat in our cul-de-sac and I pointed my car at the house and I, I, just, I just like raised my I just Thank you, Jesus, for this home. You know what? And just a few short years later, I was looking at my house in the cul-de-sac, and I'm looking at the roof that I like to rip off with my own hands. I'm looking at the lawn that needs tons of work. I'm looking at the paint job, and all these things, and I lost my contentment. Was it because the house had begun to fall apart, or was it because my attitude began to fall apart? Which one was the bigger problem? Can I have an amen out there? So what happens is uh, we, we start to forget what we have. We start to compare and when we compare, it kills, it kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment, everybody. Here's the second king, kingdom key. It's not about what others get. It's about what he originally gave. If you want to have the right attitude, you have to focus not on what everybody else is getting. You've got to focus on what he gave you. Amen. Did you forget what he gave we often get ourselves in trouble and our attitude gets all messed up. In ministry, sometimes we can look at other people. It looks like they're, they're getting out ahead. And they're, you know, didn't Devin speak last weekend? Why does he get to speak? <laughs> I thought Sarai was off this weekend, but she was on center stage. Why am I not on center stage? <laughs> this isn't real stuff. I'm just using them. They're guinea pigs. They all sign waivers. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? We start focusing on, wait a second, I'm on the worship team. I get to, I get to use my gift. We start focusing on, I, I get to greet people every single Sunday morning at the front door. We stop, we stop forgetting, I get to serve children and, and lead a next generation and show them the love of God and express in a demonstrative way what that looks like to the next generation. Uh, I forgot 
when I signed up, what I originally was given was awesome. And now I'm looking back and look at what other people are getting. And it's got me all messed up and tied up inside. And so Jesus deals with the attitude of the 6 a.m. crowd. In this parable, do not be the 6 a.m. crowd. Can I have an amen? Because the expectation kills contentment. And so we have to, we have to really go vertical, not, not horizontal, to keep our kingdom sweat. Remember what he gave. Don't focus on what everybody else has got. Is that tra track with everybody? And godly, because what happens is, if you don't go vertical, you keep going horizontal, then godly commitment will drop when expectations rise. When you put that expectation on the landowner, like, you should, you, why don't you? I thought I deserved this, and I thought I deserved that. Your commitment to God will drop. You got to take those expectations and you need to put those aside and be grateful for what God has already given you in the process. Can I have an amen? amen? We actually help people connect, figure out what you were designed to do so that you can function in your fit. One of the ways you will be successful as a Christ follower is when you stop spending time trying to fix you and you get to a place where you want to help other people. I call it lint pickers. Some of you have been here a while. I call them lint picking Christians. We spend our whole lives fixing ourselves. Oh, my gosh, they have another problem. Oh, my Lord, there's another problem. There's so many. You'll be picking lint off your sweater as a Christian for the rest of your life. You need to look outwards and start giving what you have, the gifts that God's given you, which you won't know if you don't go to next steps and figure out what your gift is. That's why we do it every single week. Next step is where you discover your gift. A dream team is where you fulfill purpose. And so we provide that at this church. This will help you do that. But if you're on a dream team, you have to have the right attitudes because if you don't have the right attitudes, your sweat stinks. <laughs> Woohoo! Move on to the next point, please. Move on, Pastor. Okay, so here's the next point. There's only one king in the kingdom. Bum, bum, bum. That's like a drop the mic point. There's only one king in this kingdom. You know, it sounds like you should have a showdown right there. You know what I mean? And he's carrying a way bigger gun than you. And he's quicker on the draw. So in any kingdom, think about this. If it's the kingdom of God, who has all the rights? The king. Everybody else is just privileged because of the king. We don't, we, we, it's, not, it's, not, it's not mine. It's thine. It's, it, king has all the rights. We're just privileged. When you realize God is king, then you're, you, when you realize that, you're going to feel blessed when you realize he's the king and you're not. He says, take your pay and go, in verse 14. I want to I wanna give. I want to give. Don't I have the right to bless who I want, or are you just envious because I'm generous? He's basically saying, I, I'm generous. I want to give how I want to give. I'm the king. You're not. End of story. Next sentence, move along, son. That's what he says. I struggled with, with, with aspects of this. And I actually understand the struggle, but I'm trying to tell you how to get out of it. As a pastor, I, can I be real for just a second? No, we don't want you to be real. We like to go, we like to, go to a church where a pastor's not real. Could you, could you provide a fake, phony message? That'd be great. No, so just, let's just listen. So I can remember in years gone by where I would look at other ministries and I'd say, why, does that, why is that guy so successful? Why? Why? Joe Osteen, I'll never be able to smile like him, but I don't get it. That's what I'd say. I don't get it. I don't get it. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? We can take this part out. But uh, I go to somebody else's church, and I'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, I don't even know what he's saying right now. You know, and it, you know, all this kind of, I, I remember being sent by this church, invested, poured into to be equipped, resourced, refreshed, go to a conference, see all this awesome stuff, come back depressed. You know why? Because I was comparing. I wasn't sharing. I, 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 was, I was not grateful that I, the, for the privilege of being able to serve him in this, in this capacity and in this way. And my sweat was stanky, everybody. And I can remember coming back to God. I'm like, why, why, why? You know, why did they get this one? And God was like, you know what? You know what? I said, God, it's so much easier down there in the south. It's softer soil. It's a piece of cake. And, and, and it's true. It is. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, and he's like, you're right, son. But what does that matter? Who cares? I've called you here. You were called here. And your attitude stinks. Your attitude stinks. And, 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 I, and again, I came back from this conference, and, and, he, and, and he, he spoke to me. He's like, son, I want to tell you a story. Here's how it goes. Once upon a time, Derek, it didn't matter what everybody else was doing. Once upon a time, you would be so grateful to speak to 10 people, 15 people, 20 people in a small group. You were so grateful just for the call of God to be used in any way with your gifts. Once upon a time, Derek, it didn't matter. And you need to go back to that once upon a time moment. And you know what? Some of you need to go back to your once upon a time moment. Once upon a time moment. Once upon a time, you were called by God. Some of you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and you didn't do it just for the fire insurance and just for the crossover from this life to the next. You knew that when God saved you, you were going to give your whole life to him in this life. And you let other people cut in on you. You let other things happen to you. You let other things fundamentally deceive you and, and, and make your windshield dirty. Once upon a time, son, sir, boy, girl, ma'am, it didn't matter. You need to go back to that once upon a time moment and begin to serve God again with your whole heart. And you need, to start, you need to stop comparing and start sharing. You need to remember what he gave and not what you get. And you need to focus on the fact that you, there's just one king and he calls the shots. Can I have an amen? Here's the fourth point. Man, I'm worked up. Okay. So fourth point is this. The reward isn't in equality. It's in eternity. See, when you get your why you do it right then what you do will change. Get your why you do it right, and then what you do will work better. In verse 13, he says, but he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? In other words, we, when we compare, we quickly forget what happened in the beginning. For some of you, again, you, 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 gave, it, you, you gave your heart, but you didn't give your life. You surrendered your heart to Jesus, but you didn't surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Didn't you agree to give your life to God? What's happened? We need to go back and remember the moment that we said yes. We need to stop grumbling with the attitude of the workers in the parable story and stop complaining. Some of us are more focused sometimes on compensation than calling. We're more focused on uh, the dollar, the almighty dollar, than making a difference. We're more, we're more focused on personal gain than kingdom gain. And God is challenging you. If you want to see doors open in your life, you need to make room for the ministry of God, the kingdom of God in your life. It's not about equality. It's about eternity. 
Oh, but they're all, but don't you know all the sun that's been put on it? Some of you serve the socks off people and it's great. And, 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 and you're like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Don't forget, the sun may be on your back pounding. And you've done it for hours and hours and days and days and months and months, serving faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. But to, to see the joy and the faithfulness, the inspiration and the perspiration, remember that Jesus Christ got on the cross and on his back was your sin. On his back was your mistakes, past, present, and future. And he was punished for it so that you could enjoy this life and be blessed in this life serving other people. The reward isn't in the denarius. The reward isn't in achievement, in other words. It's not in title, position, or power. The reward is in serving the master, everybody. It's in serving the master. It's in the relationship. God wants you to have a strong and powerful relationship with God. And and then in that relationship, he wants you to give that away to other people because the church is the hope of the world. And when you serve God through the local church, you have been given the best job on the planet. Can I have an amen? Why don't you stand your feet and let me pray for you. Come on. Come on. I hope you're inspired. I hope you're motivated. But I hope you're also life, life change is possible for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can I... Can I lift you up in prayer? I'm never going to apologize as your pastor for inviting you to serve what I think is the greatest investment in the kingdom of God, and that is serving through the local church. Some of you have been on the seat too long, and you need to get off the seat. You need to get off your seat. You need to get out of, off the bench. You need to get in the game. Just never mind the past. Who cares? Get over it. Get over it. God, God's looking at you through the lens of the landowner. And I think he's challenging your thinking. And then he's going to challenge your actions as you go forward. But you will be blessed. You will be blessed in the process. With every head bowed, every eye closed, honoring the person around you. It's just kind of, you might be here facing a door and you can't get through it. And if you want to see a door open, first, you've got to give your life to Jesus. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No man comes through the Father. No one can come through the door of heaven except through Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you would say, I need, I, need, I need that door open. You open it, son, sir, boy, girl. You open it. There's a handle inside symbolically. And God just simply waits for you to say, I want you in my life. I want you, I want you to be in my life. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life. And so if you know that's you and you, you're not confident that you have a personal relation, I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about joining with Jesus. That's more important. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me today. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you. Anybody else in the back? Nine. See you. That's great. Anybody else? Good and high. I see you two in the middle. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you over there. That's great. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you all the back there, sir. God bless your courage. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you. I see you, honey. I saw you. Thank you. Would you, just, would you just pray this prayer with me, those that raise your hand? And, and church, would you join them? This is a sincere moment. Again, I always say this, your prayer, this prayer won't save you, but believing it from your heart and speaking it with your mouth will. It's telling God something. This is a decision that precedes becoming a disciple. Follow through on this decision, those of you who are making it, but it starts with the decision. God changes your heart. Say this. Say Jesus. Jesus. Say it strong. Say Jesus. Jesus. I give you dominion over my life. I give you the wheel of my life. Take control. I surrender. I submit to you as Savior and to you as Lord. Thank you for serving me. 
by giving your life for me. And I want to serve you by giving my life for you. Now, Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer. I thank you that with, with, with you through the cross, there is forgiveness of sins. There is relationship with you eternally because of Jesus Christ. And they have acknowledged, they believe, they've confessed. And I pray right now that you witness to their heart that they are sons and daughters of God, changed. And the heavens rejoice because of that. And Lord, for the people here who have problems and have, uh, they have their own agenda, I pray that they see what Matthew 6.33 says, that seek first the kingdom and, and all these other things will be added unto you. Lord, show them they got to flip it. I'll make your problems, son, son, daughter, my problems if you be about my problem, which is helping people on the planet. And Lord, people that want to grow in their faith, I pray they realize what Jesus did, that he got down on his hands and knees and, and he began to serve people and wash other people's feet, which is, a, which is such a symbolic message to all of us, the church. I pray that we get off our seat, that we get out of the stands and we get into the game and we see lives change forevermore more through the local church and Lord many 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 people will come to Jesus and we'll be able to celebrate with many many people in heaven in Jesus name and everybody said amen come on let's give the Lord a big hand clap all of them come on let's give Jesus a big hand clap amen amen